Good morning. It's April 28th, and welcome to Doing Life, daily devotions for finding peace in stressful times. This is the audible companion to the book of the same name. Today's title is Hole in the Roof. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. Mark 2, 4-5 Not long ago, a friend, call him Jack, related a story about his efforts to reach out to a Muslim couple with the good news. My friend works for a large, high-tech chip manufacturer in Dallas, which does a lot of defense contracting. One of the places available for lunch on campus is a Mediterranean-style deli, and one gentleman and his wife have been running it for the last 31 years. Jack knew them well enough to say hello when he ordered from Sadia and waved to her husband, Ahmed, who was usually behind the sandwich counter or visible through the pass-through in the kitchen. They seemed like a happy, hard-working couple who smiled a lot and joked about sports and the weather with many of the employees as they picked up their meals. The food was outstanding, and the little deli had a good reputation. Jack had some passing involvement with missionary work in North Africa and was truly interested in finding out more about Iranian culture and religion. One day, when he had finished eating and the lunch crowd had mostly cleared out, he approached Sadia and asked if she and her husband could teach Jack and his wife something about their culture in Iran. She smiled and waved her husband over. Their English was excellent, even if accented. She passed on the request to her husband, and he looked delighted. No one is ever asking about our culture. Please, we would love to have you and your wife come to dinner at our home, and we will talk, not of Iran, but of Persia, which is the land of our ancestors. Jack was a little taken aback, not expecting to be invited to their house, but after a moment's hesitation, responded that he would check with his wife, but he thought it would be marvelous. How about Sunday this afternoon? It's our only time off, say 5 p.m.? Jack told him as far as he knew that would work. That Sunday, Jack put on nice jeans and a sport coat, and Sarah, his wife, wore a below-the-knee dress with a colorful scarf. They were both a little nervous, having never been in the home of a Muslim family. Ahmed and Sadia lived on a quiet residential street about five miles from the plant. When they ushered them into the cool, darkened interior, there were several other people present. Ahmed introduced his sister and sister-in-law and his mother-in-law, all of whom nodded their welcome but spoke considerably less English than their hosts. They sat and had tea and pita with hummus, as well as yogurt and spinach chip, tzatziki, and delicious falafel wraps, with tahini sauce. Jack and his wife learned of Ahmed's narrow escape from Tehran, traveling to the Turkish border and seeking asylum in the Canadian embassy during the revolution. The Shah had been deposed and was in exile, and the Ayatollah and his revolutionary council had taken over. It was months before his fiancée at the time, Sadia, could escape as well and make her way to Canada. Through family connections, they sought asylum in Texas, and then they never left. Sadia and Ahmed told of their heartbreak over infertility of their families still in Iran, who, being westernized, were constantly under suspicion from the radical Islamist government. They learned that Persia's age-old religion was Zoroastrianism and not Islam, and that most citizens were forced into an Islam that they viewed as imposed by foreigners from Saudi Arabia. Most of the citizens are not even practicing Muslims. It turns out that Sadia has a sister, who married an American and converted to Christianity. They were open to discussing it and promised to get together with Jack and Sarah for a visit to their church. 
All of us who have put our trust in Christ have experienced the joy and the freedom from guilt, shame, and the power of sin. We have the promise of eternity with a loving Father to turn to whenever times get dark. That peace is something we really want to share, but for whatever reason, we're usually extremely hesitant to bring up Jesus to someone whom we know could benefit. Instead of thinking about bringing Jesus to the unbeliever, try the opposite, as the men in the passage from Mark did with their friend the paralytic. Bring the unbeliever to Jesus, no matter what's in the way, crowd, roof, or our own hesitation. Don't let embarrassment or shyness or fear of what others might think of you act as obstacles to possibly bringing someone the joy of receiving Christ. Jack used a passing acquaintance with someone to ask more about them. Opportunities to share anything, including your faith, tend to present themselves frequently if you learn to listen first. That's how you make the hole in the roof. Listen first. That's how you break through. Find out where people are coming from in their own experience. Only then is it possible to use your story as a way to lower them through the roof and put them right in front of the Savior. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. James 1.19 When people talk, listen completely. Most people hear and never listen. Ernest Hemingway Most people don't listen with the intent to understand. They listen with the intent to reply. Stephen R. Covey Lord, help us to overcome our insecurities about sharing the good news. Remind us of the men who didn't let a crowd or a building keep them from getting their friend to Jesus. And direct us to listen first, to those with whom we would share, recognizing that people are validated and receptive when you acknowledge their stories. Amen. We'll see you tomorrow.